When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. During the spookiest time of the year, there are a few guidelines all ghosts and goblins should follow. Always stay on sidewalks. Never go to a stranger's house. And never go out alone. Laying down to go to sleep, I would feel utterly exhausted, almost as if I had just been drugged. And my eyes sealed shut, my mouth sealed shut, and it's as if everything was shutting down except for my awareness, my consciousness. And that is when the shadow man would come and he would walk disjointed. Welcome back to sleep. Anyway, (laughs) welcome back to 31 for 31, our Halloween movie playlist for the month of October. We are more than halfway done with episode 16 today. 16th day. Thanks for joining us. If it's your first day, you know what? You got half the month left. Thanks for coming in. If you've been here since the beginning. Thanks for that, too. You know, and you're welcome for all the joy we've brought you. I am one of your three hosts today, Cody Mason, along with Chris Boniello and Jamie Lansdowne. Wake me up. But I'll, uh, you know, I'll be pinching myself looking at these two because what a great conversation we have in store about the nightmare. Rodney Asher's 2015, quote unquote, documentary quote-unquote sleep paralysis i feel like it only gets one quote quote (laughs) quote the raven sleep no more all right mixing my metaphors oh is that back open can you wear those masks now yeah my friend got like crept on it as sleep no more once anyway story for a different podcast this movie is the middle movie of Rodney Asher's three most popular documentaries that have come out recently uh, and he has a very particular style um one that fits squarely in the horror movies that we have for the rest of this list. But he definitely is an acquired taste. He's got low audience scores on Rotten Tomatoes. Let's put it that way. Um, His first movie, of course, being Room 237, the movie about people who think they understand The Shining and deeper levels. Uh, His latest movie is Glitch in the Matrix, which is about simulation theory and people who earnestly believe in simulation theory to a degree that's not healthy and then i'd say this movie is kind of squarely between those two in terms of you know what it means to have a very unique experience point of view or belief and 
just letting people rip on expounding upon how it affects their lives and makes them think like they have this special insight to the world. Um, I think the first movie made Room 237 works because it slowly unravels to be less of a video essay about The Shining, but more of a movie about crazy people or people who are kind of overcooked in their analyses and so kind of bought into them that it becomes like, oh, 45 minutes in, this isn't about The Shining. No one's really trying to convince us of anything. It's more about these people wrapping this up and and showing their true colors and thinking that they're being watched because they know secret information. I will say I don't think Room 237 was worth my full ticket of admission. In New York City, it cost like $22 to go to the theater to see that. Hey, you know what? It's a bunch of YouTube rips, so it's worth a stream. Let's put it I, have a better, I have a better rip of The Shining on my own hard drive. But you don't have better crazy people. So It gave and- me a lot of ammunition whenever talking about The Shining. And I could be like, oh, like actually that, uh, that's the cow you met can. Yeah, the Apollo sweatshirt. The Apollo I, sweatshirt. It's a, good, it's a good double feature. You play that and then you play... Uh, you know, um, for all mankind, and then you just get someone's brain to explode. <laughs> yeah, well, I think the the movie that neither of y'all have seen that I think would frustrate you much more is Glitch in the Matrix, which came out in the last year. Worth a watch. Definitely less about the people and their points of view about simulation theory and more about just being a ninth grade philosophy class about simulation theory, which <laughs> is exhausting because I think we all know what that is, the ramifications of it can pull out you know hey neo had you know a copy of beauregard in the beginning of the matrix cool you know they were on the nebuchadnezzar yeah so i mean you know morpheus and dreams but i i feel like the whole movie just wraps itself around into just having rodney asher do some of his more masturbatory bad effects about visualizing the things that people are talking about for that movie and only at the very end do we see that, oh, this could make somebody very solipsistic and then maybe like be a school shooter or something. So it is about crazy people. Too little, too late, Rodney. <laughs> but uh, but this movie really exists in a special place. And I think it's the scariest of the three for sure because of an argument that it makes later on that in its eight interviews, uh, you know, that are staggered together about people who suffer from extreme sleep paralysis where you wake up, but you're not fully awake, basically experiencing a REM cycle while your body's still paralyzed like it's supposed to be. Uh, while you're dreaming, you see really crazy stuff or you feel really crazy stuff or you smell or taste, you know, you experience sensory situations that are not pleasant. And I think more interestingly, really commonly shared across people from all different walks of life, like seeing a shadow man or shadow man specifically with a hat or specifically a cat, you know, sitting on your chest or specific type of goblin or, a, or you a, get to have sex with an incubus. Yeah. That one is a little bit <laughs> off the beaten path. We'll talk about her, but um, it's a really scary movie. Not only because it goes into, Hey, it's just scary to see something out of the corner of your eye when your bedroom's dark and visualizing that and thinking, wow, what would I do in those situations is scary. But ultimately the thing about this movie that has it's the ring appeal is that, Literally, sleep paralysis, the more you know about it and the more you think about it and the more your mind obsesses over it, you have a much higher likelihood of experiencing it 
yourself and, and being caught in the cycle of having to deal with that with, where there is no clinical cure for that happening. So the, at the end of this movie, talking about how it is a STD, a sleep transmitted disease, a guy who definitely impressed with himself says <laughs> it becomes scary if you watch this at night to think like am i going am i going to go to bed and suffer real consequences from watching a scary movie and i think that that is a really specific lane to go down and think like okay i'm going to show this to people and they are worse off with this knowledge and it's interesting it's definitely something where half of the time the you know recreations are compelling enough and you kind of feel like oh man that's that's a lot um, and can make you feel that kind of prolonged sense of dread about, okay, could happen anytime now. But at the same time, you know, there's a lot of kitschy elements in here. There's a lot of things that you would see on A&E, you know, uh, <laughs> paranormal encounters or something like that. And it wouldn't seem too out of place. Yeah. But, a few um, of them are a bit of a, like a lifetime movie story plot by the end of it. Cup and ultimately, you know, it tries to take the same angle of of uh, Room Two Thirty Seven and starts to go into people who have become so obsessed with this horrible chronic experience that they have that they try to ascribe meaning to it. And whether yeah. that's religious, whether that's you know somebody really goes down the Christian angle with it, certain people think about you know like sixth sense elements. A lot of things start to have them try to you know, make meaning and make some semblance of, you know, a purpose for their suffering out of it, which becomes interesting, but ends up being a little less explored than a lot of the other ideas. Yeah, I think ultimately it's it's not very explored once he starts introducing those things. I don't know if it's really interested or not. It, it doesn't it doesn't really find its footing for me towards the end there. But I think it does work as a pretty terrifying horror film uh, for me watching it. You know, I had kind of those classic feels of of the ring and and freddy krueger and kind of those other movies i saw as a kid and you start to piece together where these things come from even a movie like dark city was one i kept thinking of the characters with the hats and shadows and the idea of continually waking up and going back to sleep and not knowing the time and from knowing a little bit about sleep paralysis it was one of those things where as i'm sitting there watching it and thinking more about it I'm kind of thinking to myself, like, God damn it, like a shadow man's going to come to the door tonight and I'm going to deal with this. I've only ever experienced sleep paralysis twice in my life. And I, it was when I had a broken leg and was able to lucid dream and did it. But it was one of those things where it was it's pretty terrifying and it's very vivid. And and you don't I personally have not ever forgotten it. I know the two times very vividly what happened. So watching this, I was like, yeah, a bunch of these things do make sense. And then some of them. I think are very, very embellished. I can see pieces of them connecting. And maybe if you did continually have sleep paralysis every day or every week, you would start to become more defined in what's happening in them. For me, it wasn't so clear as to the types of creatures or things or shadows or movements, but these are people who are dealing with it a lot. And I think ultimately the documentary part falls flat, but it is interesting as like a campfire ghost story almost these people are just telling experiences and if you're there watching it in the dark i watched uh kind of late at night and knew that wasn't necessarily the best time to do it but i kind of wanted to go full in on it and it uh you know about halfway through i was like uh should i go find my phone and kind of look at something else for a little bit <laughs> so yeah, I, I feel think, like it's i think it works where yeah the first time 
really creeps up on you and thinks like how how upsetting and how visceral is this going to get to experience because it could be really the surreal elements they do show that are powerful can really start to make you feel uneasy i think it yeah lost and i was a lot of its also. power <laughs> on the second viewing yeah. you know now that it's like okay i understand what we're doing with here and i understand yeah the road now we're now where i know the couple times they show the shadow feature creatures come in or the couple jump scares or that like the mirror hallway shot is not used as interestingly as i thought it would be there's a few of those moments where i'm like all right if this holds longer if this goes as much as our film from yesterday maholland drive goes into sitting with some of these tones and these feelings it's going to be uh it's going to be a bit more frightening but i don't think asher has the strength to do that or yeah, maybe even or the, the knowledge patience <laughs> let's say yeah i would say so this was a movie that i this is the first time i've seen it and i had tried watching it a few years before and i just stopped and i said i'm gonna this is gonna make me have an episode of sleep paralysis right which and is a I, really powerful like, feeling yeah, and i probably had, wouldn't have watched it if we weren't reviewing yeah it. i like almost have intentionally as, as someone who's had film. sleep paralysis i was like i don't know if i need to roll the dice on this yeah i've had it once and i've had that feeling of waking up and being like frozen in place and having that feeling of something or someone next to you and it is one of the most unpleasant things i've ever unpleasant experiences i've ever had happen to me so when this film which i think is like such a great topic but the way it's presented is almost like intentionally like like trying to get people i feel like they almost like wanted to throw it on like on this the tagline like this will give you sleep paralysis yeah and if, like, yeah. if you go <laughs> to bed and see a shadow person rodney asher wins yeah like that's yeah that's almost how so I, but i was you know for the purpose of this this uh the podcast i do think it is like a perfect sort of uh you know we don't do a lot of this is the only documentary on our list our playlist and i think this is like a very potent subject obviously you know nightmares and things that go bump in the night and things that can invade your dreams as like uh you know as we saw in Mahalan drive as maybe we'll see in later entries is always very scary because you're just at your most vulnerable when you're sleeping so to explore it in a documentary i thought was very interesting and yeah it is a little a and e and like goofy but i kind of appreciated the you know that obviously made this for a very little bunny i don't think it made any money <laughs> yeah but and I, some of the some of the moments have a lot of charm and it really works and those are super freaky yeah and then others you lose me and uh, i like the charm and yeah. i like how they yeah almost did the parts where you'd Whoa, see behind jamie, the curtain jamie it made almost twenty eight thousand dollars at the box <laughs> office that's all from 2b tv ad revenue <laughs> yeah um <laughs> yeah twenty eight thousand. Oof, rough beat uh, I hope these streaming services paid a lot. That's for almost it. <laughs> a top trim Toyota Camry. <laughs> Very nice. 2017 uh, model. Maybe. But yeah. as I was saying, I, I did like how they almost they weren't trying to set up an illusion of, oh, yeah, like these are like uh, by peeling back, but like and showing this film sets and that this is very much a theatrical, like dramatic presentation of these dreams. Like there's no illusion that this is supposed to be like within the film world almost I, like you said it's very charming in a sense and it was yeah, like a nice reprieve from like some of the crazier elements 
And it, it's something that starts that way and starts to have this like level of removal and this level of like, oh, we're crafting what these people are doing intentionally. And it, it's like, oh, okay. It it comes across like it's going to be much more of a well-crafted movie than it ends up being a little bit. Um, but I think that all of those things are completely, you know, cast aside once you have enough really, really compelling testimony from people talking about how painful this is to go through and then just seeing simple stark images that are so routine. And I think that's the power of this is just having the people. I think it's ultimately the power of this being a 30 minute movie, but the downfall of it being a 90 minute movie is having people just talk, not really having, uh, you know, an interrogator or anything like that. Rodney Asher says very little in here to push people in a direction to say what he wants. He really just lets people go off about their experiences and get as emotional as they want, speak as hyperbolically as they want, all that. And it comes across very genuine that they're talking about this like they would to a psychologist at times. And those things can really heighten your level of involvement because of how clearly upset you can see real people getting about it. However, that towards the end, once they get so extreme, start to talk about how it made them believe in Jesus or it made them believe in aliens or it made them believe this rather than just accepting that they have a physiological disorder that is just very unique and very sensory starts to get into that territory of like, all right, this is where a documentarian needs to rein it in and give us a point of view about like, okay, are you (laughs) agreeing with these people? Are you telling us that, you know, this is so bad it will drive you crazy, which is kind of implied at several times. A lot of people end interviews by saying like, well, I'm either crazy or, and I need that line sometimes to be, you know, drawn and and just kind of shown kind of like in room 237 where these clear moments of like, oh, this person was setting up some, some good takes, then some gray area takes, and now they fully lost their marbles, you know, (laughs) not to be reductive about the word crazy or anything like that. But, you know, I think that they really show that this is just like harrowing enough that you don't blame any of those people for those points of view. You don't know what you would do in that scenario if you had this since you were eight, you know? So I think that that's what makes it have a lot of power because it's like, this isn't just like fake dream warriors talking about (laughs) the last week at high school being upsetting. It's like, these are real people who have had no connection to anybody's idea of rest for 20 years. They have a completely different kind of life than we do because they, as they say in the movie, live two lives, one just completely of fear and one of like pretending to be mundane while fearing like sleeping, you know? And I I think that that is freaky when analyzed, but I don't know. I need to perpetuate that (laughs) express feeling for 90 minutes. Yeah. That's the thing is that I wish like as much as we have these 90 minutes of this insane testimony, which is very unnerving and very upsetting, I definitely would have liked a little more of a scientific angle just to get a little more in like the background of what these people are saying. If we're going to spend 90 minutes on this subject in a sense, like I needed those different viewpoints to give me yeah. like a more well-rounded. Give me a, give me one sleep psychologist. Yeah. Um, give me, give yeah. me one. And also maybe, I don't know, film one of these people sleeping or something like for real, like, or like I needed like the, the someone to go the, under and have the like, nodes. I needed yeah. nodes on their heads. I needed some sort of brain scan and I needed some, some cryptic remark of like, well, there's nothing wrong with their brain. Well, yeah. And then you, 
also never get anyone who doesn't experience sleep paralysis telling you anything. Right. This is only people who get sleep paralysis telling you what they've had. What and it gets wrapped up and, into topper syndrome where I think a lot of the time yeah. so you get these really hyperbolic stories because they're like trying to convince you how hard it's been for them. And sometimes it doesn't take that much convincing. Like just saying I wake up every day and see a shadow person sold. I yeah. empathize with you. <laughs> yeah. I, I th- Yeah. Especially going into some of the the details of alien abduction stuff i'm like oh yeah you leave me that breadcrumb you don't need to then take all of those breadcrumbs and then try to convince me that it's bread Mm -hmm. because like once you go too far into this is an actually what people experience in alien abductions or this is what people have been writing about or painting about in biblical senses or religious senses i I already was there. I was getting those hints. And then you don't have to then keep going. Maybe at that moment you switch to an actual priest or some sort of scientist or go fully the other way and get someone who literally says, I've been abducted by aliens. So right. these people are Either fucking would liars. Be a more interesting choice yeah. rather than I think sometimes <laughs> this happens in a lot of his movies, like especially in Glitch in the Matrix. You don't get an expert. You get secondhand regurgitation of experiential knowledge reading wikipedia to you which is never good in a documentary you need there to be a an undertitle with authority instead of just like hey i read that you know this famous painting of a of a demon is actually sleep paralysis maybe on a website you know it's like nope i need an art historian there to tell me about the influence you know and i think that's part of the Part of the charm of all of his movies is it's just low down, normal people, no big names, you know, just introduced as individuals who experience a certain thing or have a certain interest. And that's fine. But um, unless you're going to end up turning on those subjects and judging them or, or putting them under the microscope, they, they can't be my I can't appeal to their authority on everything other than just like, I believe that you see a shadow (laughs) ban. That's what I trust you about and and nothing else. And that's why I think this works better as campfire horror stories. Exactly. From from friends or from a friend of a friend or it's the, you know, the one guy who comes to the party. It's like, yeah, he always comes and has some crazy story. And this, this is the night you finally listen to it versus calling this a documentary in any of the sense of that word. But I, in terms of film, nomenclature but i think that it it works as a as a pretty terrifying you know small horror movie for me and and sitting there i knew it was working because i started trying to think of other things yeah and (laughs) i honestly think like the the best format for this this is my pitch for for y'all so that theater over by union square we'll do it there honestly like if you got people who were either compelling actors or the people themselves to do like a 90 minute stage performance that was just people sitting with um, adaptive backdrops that were moody or showed a couple things and just talked to an audience about what they saw emotionally, that would be the perfect format for this. Like, I feel like so many visual gymnastics are being done that you're taking away from the fact that like, as Chris said, the purest form of what they're actually be telling us in this movie is I want to describe how fucked up of an experience I had, regardless what you think about it, whether, you know, you're going to think it means the world or nothing at all. Like a compelling person can tell you a compelling experience and then you can walk away from that being like, "Ooh, I wonder if that'll happen to me. That's so scary because that was so compelling. But 
I think a lot of what Rodney Asher does as a filmmaker, <laughs> you know, uh, a real you know craftsman, is just throwing in a lot of noise that when it hits, it hits, and when it doesn't, it turns into that grab your phone for the wrong reason stuff where yeah. it starts to become a snooze, hey, <laughs> you know. Well, I mean, there's definitely a few of these moments where he's, you know, playing into whatever they're seeing, where what I was imagining was way worse and did not need the reenactment. <laughs> yeah. I, did you guys think that you're going to invest in my stage performance of the of the nightmare? I've uh, I, I think it sounds pretty if great. If you had the Kickstarter <laughs> open right now, I donate two hundred thousand dollars. Two hundred thousand. All right. I donate twenty eight thousand dollars. The box office. Of the right, right. 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 Yeah. I want to top their their gross, yeah. you know. Well, but um, I, I also I mean, like, like, I think we've we've kind of talked about like a lot of the, the shortcomings and things like that. And um, I think, Chris, you put it very well. It works almost better as a going into it that as a horror film as opposed to a documentary. So even though we say it's a documentary, it is a documentary. It's better to experience it just as a film because we're not really getting just these outside opinions that are kind of looking at this in any way of shape or form of like a scientific angle or like, uh, you know, it's all, uh, what's the word? It's like oral histories of this thing. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's method. Yeah. It's just to, just to deeply scare, like almost mm -hmm. to wound. Like it, it's, it's an all out assault on your bedtime. And I think that that's, if other horror movies on this list could do that with their material, they would like, you know, I don't blame Rodney Asher for being, I think he's been almost criticized. as like a morally, you know, limited perspective making this movie about what it could do. And I think, no, like put your, put your little scream caveat on there. It's most people yeah. who watch it aren't going to go through that, but like, it's, you know, it's, it's heavy and that's, that's okay. Yeah. You know, yeah. It, if, if you're going to go through the work to find voodoo or Tubi and watch this, <laughs> you want to watch it. Yeah. And I think it's also interesting, like, you know, it's hard to say what exactly his intention was, but, you know, if it was to say, I'm going to make a movie that's scary, I'm going to make the scariest documentary ever. That is interesting. And that's commendable. I don't know if it necessarily is, but it's certainly it's a good lane to try for it's sure. A good and lane I know to try. he didn't. I, I think that's exactly what he was trying to do. And exactly. You know, he, he took. Oh, man, I can talk to somebody really heated about something very wild from Route 237 and go right off the chat boards into this, <laughs> you know, and I know he didn't consult with any doctors. He didn't consult with any specialists like it was just I know these eight people just talk to me and I will basically bring to life your experiences and yeah i mean i i i am genuinely so interested in the topic just because of kind of what it brings out of you watching this that i would want more more material now and that's always a sad that's a sad thing whenever you watch a documentary and you feel like there's more questions than you got answers by a long shot you know like if you watch fog of war I don't expect you to then have to watch like three other documentaries about McNamara and the Vietnam War. Like you should probably have it kind of figured out <laughs> at that point, you know, bad example. But it's still the kind of thing where, you know, I, I, I think it exists to be a visceral experience and not really a learning experience. So 
there should be a different, you know, a non-narrative feature rather than a documentary, let's say. Yeah. And I, I will say, I can't believe we've gone this far without bringing up that this is the second time on the playlist that we have got to see Christopher Walken in a picture. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah, no, I, I do like communion and I think communion's a really good reference piece because like, yeah, I, I, you know, I don't know if you've read communion or seen communion, but I've not read it, but I, I've seen the movie and I just, I, I remember seeing it young and that every the aliens just look too fake to me, but yeah, I'd be interested that's in why the book is, is better yeah. just because it's like Whitley Stryber, for example, who wrote communion from his own personal experience, in addition to writing fictional novels like hunger, the hunger and everything like he has a very similar vibe to some of the people in this movie where his whole book is just him rattling off things he experienced, whether that was sleep paralysis or alien abduction or just him being you know, not in his right mind or on drugs, who knows, but I think it strikes on a similar kind of fear and, you know, of just kind of describing wild things that he saw. And then to Chris's point, the movie serves much like the bad parts of this movie where it's like, yeah. oh, okay, if you make the great little gray men physically real with a little budget, they look really dumb, you know, <laughs> and they're yeah. not scary. And, and if you just read these experiences they're horrifying because you allow your own imagination to fill the gaps. And I think that that's um, a, a, a partial limitation to this. I think, you know, it works best when it is just like blank shadow men, yeah. because that's exactly how you would picture them. And they're easy to reproduce on a small budget. So. Wait, this is completely off topic, but well, not completely, but Eric Clapton did the music for communion. <laughs> <laughs> yes it's what? actually kind of a weird yes i have not seen this movie i, I saw it when i was a kid i remember it's, seeing it as a kid it's got it that was a cool feeling. alien movie the part that's in um the parts that are really in yeah uh, in this. the nightmare are pretty much the more famous parts but. the like light thing into his head and the blue guy sitting next to him or whatever yeah terrible Some poster of i'm like <laughs> well, well that's yeah. that's the uh that's a book scene. cover is really next time you come over i'll give you give you the book it's pretty weird but i'm into alien abduction stuff you know that would be my rodney asher movie it was like hey you like aliens you know what's up? Wait, but it does do an interesting thing of looking at some of these possibly real possibly fake possibly embellished tales and lore and tries to bring them under this umbrella of could this be effects of sleep paralysis but it never really ask the question or ask any experts in any of the fields. So, yeah, I think it's, it knows its limits in that way. Um, but, but I feel like it would have needed that to really beef up this 90 minutes. Oh yeah. Like it, it knows its limits in that it's accepting mediocrity in that way. And, you know, (laughs) trying to excel in other dimensions that are more visceral and just kind of like experiential to, supplant the fact that they don't really have any basis in like what would be an interesting level of scientific facts or yeah. you know at least cutting edge research or something but he didn't have those contacts he just had who he found on reddit that weekend you know <laughs> what do you guys well think yeah of- they even used footage of reddit <laughs> yeah yeah i like i like the reddit message board being scrolled past <laughs> as b-roll um but i guess like you know the questions like what do you think of these experiences like we all mentioned that we kind of had had you know, lower brush, let's just say brushes with sleep paralysis and this sort of feelings. But what do you make of these sort of like shadow men that these 
people sort of collectively interact with in a way? Is it just like this weird subconscious in the mind that is makes itself known at certain instances? Like what? I mean, I guess that's the thing that it, coming out of this movie, you just are like, man, like what is going on with these people? Like what is the specific sort of, I guess you could call it an illness, but how is it? You know, uh, how is it this consistently pervasive? Like, consistent, you know, it, yeah. and also yeah, that, how it can be contagious. Like the guy with the the goatee and like very telling his friend and ruining her life. Yeah, yeah the, well, the his, hat. his girlfriend tells him about it. He's like, "Wow, she sounds crazy." And then ever since then, he has it every night. Which is when I the first time I tried watching it when I like turned it off and I was like, "I'm out." I'm out. <laughs> yeah, like he's. I gonna think pass it's it just so me. hard. It's so hard to, you know, judge a lot of these things based off of exactly how it was shared in this movie, because some of the times I feel like we're really connecting dots and we're seeing like, okay, the man with the shadow hat, I'm hearing that a lot. I get that. I've read enough on Reddit about, oh, a lot of people see this particular face and, you know, this particular old hag or demon. Then a couple people throw us off the rails with having sex with a demon (laughs) and an incubus or something, which we're going to put those to the side. And I think the I mean, that's a pretty famous thing in the Bible, too. Yeah, I mean, hey, incubus, but we're, uh, you know, we're not inviting those people to have sex with us tonight (laughs) shadow person preferred uh but i think that's the the challenge of this is like the interest that you obviously strike up about that and how it kind of want to make once you makes you want to like go down a reddit rabbit hole because wikipedia wouldn't do a good enough job because they don't have the data you know um and i think that's why it's an interesting subject it's just like I went down that rabbit hole when I first saw this movie. I saw some similar articles and scientific articles about REM sleep and developing dreams and seeing things and why it would be simple colors or simple static and stuff like that. But a lot of the questions were like, okay, I I buy that, but why they have hats? You know, like, I don't know, you know, and those are the things that I need probably that it's, it's a, it's a God of the gaps thing where it's just like, okay, well, we could do more research and find out why without it becoming Jesus Christ. You know? yeah. so, and, and that's the part. I've yet to like, see him in a hat. Yeah. Well, he looks good. Um, but that, that's the thing that gets my goat about this is like, there's a scientific angle of it and it is the kind of angle that would help these people to pursue um, clinically. And I don't think there's any attention to that. It's just kind no. of uh, really milking their pain and, that gives me a little bit of the willies, but eh, yeah, we'll, we'll take it. I'll just assume it's Freddy Krueger. You know, he's got yeah. a hat. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, I would. I would have a lot of fun just thinking having people convince people that they suffer from sleep paralysis mm-hmm. rather than yeah. them just coming to that their own realization. Because I think there are a lot of people in the world, especially people who are, you know, probably a little bit less mentally reserved in in their points of view that go through a lot of this stuff and just think like I'm visited by spirits I'm visited by aliens I'm visit you know and it's almost yeah. like to be in conversation with people who are trying to have a moderate point of view about a medical ailment versus people yeah. who don't really know what it can mean for them versus people who are fully far gone like I never I don't even think this is sleep paralysis I think this <laughs> is just we are all the chosen sixth sense receivers you know like that is well, more yeah, entertaining. They, I mean, they and go into that interesting that whole uh, metaphor, uh, or I guess more of an analogy of like if we were all living in these infinite apartment complex apartments, and that something has 
gotten out and is in the hallway and we're seeing pieces of it. But from my completely lacking scientific knowledge of any of this, part of me wondering watching this was that maybe these experiences are shared or common for what you're seeing because we're all going through a, you know, a very similar process in the preparation to REM sleep and those different cycles. I don't really know any of those things, but I know there's ways your brain functions to kind of compartmentalize memories, to store things, to start moving, shifting things around. Delete, to, delete, delete. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so that if you're consistently waking up during these parts, maybe you're all consistently waking up when your brain is starting to file in some faces and things you've dealt with during the day. And that's why it's somewhat similar for people yeah, to see these of types it, of shapes and stuff. A lot of it also brings up the question of like how many of these people were told very specific visceral images and just kind yep. of that's Logged what it. they conjured yeah. up because that would be the nightmare <laughs> they would have that night anyway, you know, and that that's that's the the challenge of all this. Yeah. It's just a, a lot that's of why I said like Freddy Krueger almost like could that have in a way, like roundabout way, like influence these people. Cause yeah, you think of nightmares outside of the realm of possibility yeah, yeah, like, of yeah. like, you think of nightmares. You've got claws. long fingers yeah. and a hat and you're thinking yeah. about nightmares and you can't control it. Like, okay, that's not yeah. seven leaps away. That's about <laughs> one leap away. And then even on top of that, I was trying to think because of like, I remember one of the times, the first time I had sleep paralysis of like experiencing red light. And that was just cause of the, I had one of those old, radio alarm clocks next to my bed that just had red numbers on it and it's like there's there might be something to the way light can penetrate your eyes or like you know those types of frequencies where red comes through and you start seeing red eyes and mouse yeah and i know the periphery is very important that's why people feel like there's movement here so somebody's got to be standing right here just out of my view you know um Yeah. yeah it's the kind of thing i dove into six years ago when this movie came out and was like all right. Well, yeah, that's sure. That's pro- that's enough information for me to feel comfortable that this isn't aliens, you know, but yeah. probably not a lot more. I'm uh, sure it was very knowledge. gratifying to a lot of people that, you know, are I mean, well, no one really saw this movie, apparently, but to some I did people, hear that one person cried at Sundance because they were like, my. It's, yeah, it's it moved me like this was my whole life. And I'm sure I'm sure. Um, I, I showed this to my brother, for example, who suffered from sleep paralysis as a child and like saw static people, I think, and was like, oh, man, aliens or something as a child. Like, I think he suffered from this and didn't know what to put it together, especially as a young child. And I I don't think he's ever watched the movie because he was like, don't want to open that book open again. But I <laughs> yeah. showed him images and he's like, yeah, yeah. OK, cool. Yeah, that's that good. Just let me know that that's something that other people experience and I will continue with my life and try not to think about this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But there's one thing I also thought of is like, there's gotta be some way you can like, if you wore an eye mask and earplugs, wouldn't that help? I heard about this actually. Okay. Yeah. Or like basically sleep, like a sensory deprivation. Tone. Yeah. White noise seemed to help like the TV stuff in the movie. But I heard that first somebody wore a face mask and then somebody was whispering white right in their ear and not seeing was worse. And I was like, I get it. And then I heard somebody like had earplugs, um, but they still experienced a bunch of like. I'm making up noises in my head kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. It's not like I can 
make those noises <laughs> not come into my ear. You know, right, like right, they're right. just it's just auditory like synapses firing. I have no idea what to say, but you know, it's not like an coming from outside the ear. So right. the eyes are the only thing that's really like projecting things in a visual space. Right. Um, yeah, I guess that's but then true. I heard people just started to trip too, like just to have like really bad dream dreams where they they're i don't know i heard yeah i could i heard that. that was like a response on reddit and people were like do not do like <laughs> it goes worse you know but that would be a very logical thing to throw in for 90 seconds in this movie right like Tell me what happens when you do that. That's interesting. Yeah. You know, like, I don't know. It's better than me explaining it forthhand on this podcast. For sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I feel like I haven't experienced it enough to be qualified and I don't know enough to be any sort of authority. <laughs> yeah. So ultimately, uh, I think that this movie leaves me in a similar place to a lot of Ronnie Asher's movies where they feel good to watch for a long parts of them. And some once you think about them too hard or try to you know, twist the needle a little bit, it it starts to become a little frustrating. Um, I think there's diminishing returns in each of his movies, but this is definitely the scariest for obvious reasons we've talked about yeah. and really fulfills that Halloween itch of, you know, getting away with something that you shouldn't be doing and watching something that you shouldn't be watching. I think that that's, it has this forbidden quality that's really hard to find when you're in your 20s or 30s to be like, I shouldn't be watching this and I'm, grown <laughs> like uh, there are no limits and still this seems like a forbidden thing to watch i think that that has a really big power like that has a huge vhs power grab of you know differentiation to put it in those terms and i still feel like that when i throw it on you know it had very little impact on me today when i watched it god forbid we'll see how i sleep but you know it 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 still has this sense of dread of like this isn't something that i should be doing to myself yeah yeah and i think that's unique it has the feeling of like i feel when i was in high school and like a friend or his older brother's like oh we have faces of death on vhs and you're <laughs> like well i've never seen someone die so i don't know what this is gonna awaken me but like maybe i should <laughs> yeah. just uh test this one out hope i'm still normal tomorrow yeah, yeah i want to yeah. burn this onto a vhs and start handing it to people be like oh you, you know you you watch it and you might experience it i can't make any promises <laughs> i'm not here to judge i'm not here. i'm just here to tell and you, you pass you it know. along to someone else and apparently you're fine too and <laughs> exactly. it's and it's really you know effective in that and i just there was just a lot of the reenactments where i was like man just let my head fuck with me because i'm already too deep like if you just play a creepy tone if you go full david lynch and just sit here and make me deal with this you you got me but as soon as you have a flip flown with a phone call from a demon i'm out <laughs> yeah come on text what are you doing yeah. wasting my wasting my time but yeah i feel like this um has a weird place in my heart because I, I i really enjoyed it i remember watching it with a roommate in college who was so freaked like i was just we were already just in a mood and and watching this and i think that kind of speaks to its you know, best viewing experiences. You know, if you've seen it already or if you are going into it, just like try to freak your friends out and whoever wants to watch it, just try to get yourself as emotionally wrapped up into it as possible without internalizing too much of it when you sleep, let's say. But, um, and that's the best ride to take with this one where it's just like, oh my God, like, can you imagine 
and trying to empathize and trying to just get yourself freaked out the way you would with a good ghost story. Like Chris yeah. said, that's, that's, that's the fun of this and something that really stands, uh, you know, the fun in a way that is a true reconnection to that kind of glee that you had as a child watching something scary and knowing you were going to have a nightmare of it and being like, that's the cost I'll pay tonight. But for now we feast on, you know, on, yeah. on murder or whatever you're watching. Um, you know, it's a, it's a kind of reawakening of that childish quality of like, I'm going to, I shouldn't be watching this. It's not good for me. Um, and yet it's thrilling in a way. I agree. I was waiting while I was watching this movie to see a shadowy hand come around any of the doorways in the room and be like, oh, it worked. My video on this call is like encroaching with shadow. I don't know. I'm just, yeah. I was planning on having setting up an inception ask kick for myself in case, you know, I something came up, although right. apparently I wouldn't be able to move. So I don't know. I'd have to be on a timer of some sort blink fast enough or something that's another 90 seconds i would have liked if someone had like yeah i concocted this bucket of water to fall on me (laughs) but ended up hitting me the only day i got a good night's sleep you know um yeah they're poor spouses and significant others i'm just saying but speaking of poor spouses and significant others Thanks for listening (laughs) (laughs) to our spouses, significant others, and the rest of the viewing public and listening public. Um, We are coming back to you with a great one again tomorrow. We may have a guest for you, so you'll be absolutely howling with laughter when we bring on some, some some good pals. And we've got some other nightmarish qualities coming on for our next episode, so... After that, we'll finish our, our trio of nightmare, if you will, starting with the real, you know, slog of Mulholland Drive, which is taxing, even though it's a masterpiece. This, which is taxing, even though it's just a gleeful experience. But this next one, I feel like it's a happy medium and you'll all be pleased. With Very our, excited with about our guests. tomorrow. Yes. Mm-hmm. So we will we will see you then. Thanks for listening and we hope you get a good night's sleep. See you on the moors. Good night.